Welcome to Promised Land at Home Podcast, where we bring people into an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ and each other. Wherever life has you, we pray that today's sermon both challenges and encourages you. We're so glad you're listening today and hope you enjoy the message. I want to just start by talking about what's happening over in Israel and the atrocities that are happening in the Gaza Strip, and it is completely evil what is happening over there. You know, you watch the news, you'll see people that have actually been there on the ground and witnessed things. I've seen family members that have talked about their loved ones who've been uh, taken as hostages and others that have seen, uh, I'm sure you've seen clips uh, online of, of them just mowing down people and dogs and babies and I've seen several of the family members just began to cry on TV and say, how could a human do this? How could this happen? How could anyone do this? We have in the Western hemisphere, in the Western society, very strong biblical foundation, whether people want to admit it or not. We have a very biblical mindset and it's hard for us to understand how people could do that the answer is because Satan is real and evil exists this is not just a condition a medical condition Uh, this is because there are spirits of darkness that are trying to destroy the people of God and the work of God and it can be very dark if you think about that. I mean, the word Hamas in Hebrew means violent. You don't have to be across the globe to experience evil. There's evil in our area. I was just reading a report, the Texas State University's 2023 annual security and fire safety report showed that on campus... On the Texas State campus in 2023, or actually this was in 2022, 135% increase in rape, 200% increase in both hate crimes and violent crimes. There was 38 reported rapes on Texas State campus last year. How does that happen? It happens because the devil is real, Satan is real, and he's preying on our community. We have a job to do. The church is here to make a difference. The church is here to be the light in a dark place. Jesus didn't leave the world to just be succumb to the presence of darkness. Instead, he came to save the world and he came that his church might be his body in the world to make a difference and bring the light. Jesus' church is the answer to the broken world. Promised land is here on purpose by God. Not for us just to get together and feel good about ourselves. But God has put us in this region to make a difference and push back the darkness. And say, you know, we can't speak for the rest of the world, but as for us on Lime Kiln. Right here in this cow pasture, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to stand against the forces of darkness. 
We're not going to cower and, and try to be, you know, away from this situation. We're going to face it. We're going to understand that the, the power within us and behind us is greater than that that's in front of us. That's because of God. He's with us. And we're bringing salvation to the lost. Love that story, Nicole, of you talking about, um, of, of you only been here a year, never, didn't know anyone. And uh, I want to hear more about your story, but I remember last year so clearly seeing your dad come to church at the movies, and, and uh, he wasn't a part of a church and not a part of church culture, and he came to at the movies, and then I, I remember correctly, he actually changed his plans to come back again the following Sunday to be, to be at the movies again and experience what was happening in the middle. It wasn't about the movie. It was about the power of the Holy Spirit moving throughout the worship and throughout the word and throughout the people. The love, the love that you guys have around people that are gathered together. Jennifer was just talking to us this morning, the leaders, the people that are serving today about how we have to be ready because there's people coming in the door today. People sitting in the room right now that are far from God. You don't know God. You don't have a relationship with God. I'm here to tell you you're in the right place. You're in the right place because God is here. For those of you wondering if the Bible is actually true, I want you to consider the Jewish people themselves. And uh, it's just, it's hard to wrap your head around this, but the Gaza Strip, where all of this hatred and ugliness and darkness is, this one little spot in that and that geographical location in the Gaza Strip is where the Philistines lived when the Israelites first moved into the Holy Land. And Goliath was from the Gaza Strip. Goliath, the one who David fought, was a Philistine and, and uh, was taunting and mocking the people of God. And his intent was to destroy the people of God. And here we are 3,500 years later, and the same force of evil is trying to come against God's people to this day. And uh, there's, there's, no, there's no other people group like the Israelites that have been around for so long and have held on to their faith for so long. And now Jesus came and is transitioning that people group of the Israelites in, in spreading that salvation message, not just to a specific ethnic group, but to the world, that this vehicle of the Jewish people is now uh, what, what uh, the New Testament calls, we are all now a royal priesthood of believers. That we are, that, and that's what I was talking about earlier, we are now going into Texas State or going into uh, your workplace or San Marcos High School or wherever you're going to be the light, to be the light making a difference in a dark world. We are at this place in promised land's history, promised land's future. We're on this edge of doing something even greater for God and, um, and making a difference for thousands and thousands of people in this area, and it just really, I'm, I'm kind of feeling Old Testament today. I'm feeling, uh, you know, old school songs, you know. Uh, just, I think there's a richness to this 
church family here that I want to just rest in a little bit today. I, I want you to catch the vision. I want you to understand how important this really is, that God is using this group of people right here, this local church. Over the last couple of weeks, I've been talking to you about the ecclesia of Jesus. That's what Jesus called this, was his gathering, people that have come out of their private place into this public sphere in order to do something great for God. And uh, I, I'm thinking about King David in 1 Chronicles 28. He was near his death, and he was calling the leaders together. He was calling the church together. It says his mighty men were there, the great council, the leaders of Israel were all gathered together, and they were listening to David give some of his final words uh, of his life and, and commissioning them, you know, like, Here's how you're going to take this torch, and you're going to keep going with it. And <clears throat> up until that time, God's presence had been in what they called the tabernacle, which was a tent that they set up and took down as they traveled around the desert, or they then set it up in what's called now the city of David, where they set up this fence and this tent that's very temporary. That's where the Holy of Holies was, where the Ark of the Covenant and the Spirit of the Lord rested in that place. And David, the Bible says, was a man after God's own heart. He had a passion and a calling to follow after God, even though he sinned and had many parts of his life that were tough. He was always coming back. He was always repenting. He was always uh, humble before God and admitting to his mistakes and learning from them and growing from them. And he just had a heart to build a house for God so that he, he wouldn't live in a tent anymore. But he'd live in a, a temple. And so he, he prayed about it and he started saving his own personal money and started gathering the people of God uh, to, together and organizing them. And, and Israel, under David's reign as king, began to be very powerful and very strong. And uh, ushered in... Uh, you know, what we know as the Jewish people now, they still to this day have a sense of prosperity on them that is just mind-boggling. But uh, it all began with David and the way he had a heart for God and he had a heart to sacrifice for God and give himself. And so he said, I want to build you a temple, Lord. And, and God says, I appreciate that. I'm thankful for the plans that you're making and the money that you're saving, but you're not going to be the one to build me the temple. Instead, it's going to be your son, Solomon. Solomon, after King David passed away, then became the king. And it was going to be Solomon who took the money and took the plans that had been organized under King David's reign, and he would build the temple. But this scripture that I want to read to you is that moment when David is standing before the people and Solomon is on the front row and he is addressing the people and he's addressing his son who's about to take the torch from him and lead God's people. This is what he says in 1 Chronicles 28 verse 9 and 10. And Solomon, my son, learn to know. Learn to know the God of your ancestors intimately. 
learn to know. If you, if you don't know that yourself, here today, listen to the word of God today tell you, you got to learn to know the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob intimately. Worship and serve him with your whole heart and a willing mind. For the Lord sees every heart and knows every plan and thought. If you seek him, you will find him. But if you forsake him, he will reject you forever. So take this seriously, 830 service. Take this seriously. The Lord has chosen you to build a temple as his sanctuary. Be strong and do the work. Verse 20 says, be strong and courageous. Do the work. Don't be afraid or discouraged for the Lord God, my God, is with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. He will see to it that all the work related to the temple of the Lord is finished correctly. Now, you might think, well, they're building the temple of the Lord, so God's going to just like pave the way for them to do this flawlessly, and it's not going to cost them anything or be of any effort. Do you realize that when this happened, you need to read this story, it's incredible, that David's other son tried to undercut Solomon and take the role of king, betrayed the family, caused a complete uproar and mess, and uh, the kingdom had to go through that issue. That's why David is saying, don't lose sight of what God is calling us to do. We have to be focused on the Lord, be strong and courageous, and do the work. Don't be afraid, don't be discouraged, for the Lord God, my God, is with you. He will not fail you. He will not forsake you. And I'm telling you this as individuals that when God puts something in your life, a calling on your life, and he's called you to that, don't lose sight of it. He's not going to forsake you. He's not going to forget you. But you have to be courageous and do the work. You have to be the one to step out and do something bold. And if it doesn't work, you're going to be embarrassed, right? Because God wants the glory for this. He wants to push us beyond what's comfortable for us. He wants to push us beyond what we can do by ourselves, And he wants us to to do something bold for him so that when it happens, he gets all the glory for it, not us. We're just being faithful to what he's saying. I'm just standing up here today in 2023 just being faithful to what I feel God has called me to do. And so that's why we're moving in this direction. He says... God will see to it that all the work related to the temple of the Lord is finished correctly. The various divisions of priests and Levites will serve in the temple of God. Others with skills of various kind will volunteer. And the officials of the entire nation are at your command. I love as we've been talking about on this rock, people have come to me that work in different fields. Architects and people that work with PEC and People that are builders, people that have knowledge about um, IT and different things have come and said, hey, I want to serve, I want to help. I want to do what God's calling us to do. That's exactly what's happening here in Scripture. Chapter 29, the next chapter, the speech keeps going. It's a two-chapter speech and prayer. And uh, David begins to talk about the actual cost of the temple. 
and how everyone is invited to participate in actually giving of their money, of their resources. In that day and time, they didn't have cash. They had gold and silver and bronze and iron and wood. And so that is how they gave to the temple. That's how they gave to build the temple. David begins to talk to them and explain. And then David himself in front of everybody says, this is how much I'm giving myself to this out of my own personal resources. And he had a lot. He had a lot of gold and silver and bronze. And uh, and in verse 2 of chapter 29, he says, I have gathered and I am giving as much as I can. I've gathered and I'm giving as much as I can. And... um, that's the, that's the posture of someone who has surrendered to God and sold out to the work of God. That's what it looks like. That's what it looks like to know that you're truly converted and that you're walking in faith with Jehovah, the God of your ancestors, the God of provision, the God of protection. Then he challenges the people. First Chronicles 29, verse 5 and 6. He says, now then, who will follow my example and give offerings to the Lord today? Then the family leaders, the leaders of the tribes of Israel, the generals and the captains of the army and of the king's administrative officers all gave what? Willingly. They all gave willingly. Verse 9 says, the people rejoiced over the offerings, for they had given freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord. And King David was filled with joy. What a beautiful moment that was. It was an act of worship. And they were excited about doing something for the work of God. I'm just, I'm thrilled to be a part of what we're doing right now at Promised Land uh, we're, we're building, for those of you that are walking in for the very first time today, like, what the heck's going on here? Uh, we here are building, we're on the, on the verge of expanding parking and expanding children's ministry and expanding this particular building and having space for us to gather on the hill and um, celebrate and love on each other and move in fellowship and discipleship and, and uh, just continue to see God's work be done. And um, today's a great day that we're asking all the people of the church to follow after the footsteps of our ancestors. And you're like, those aren't my ancestors. If you're a follower of Jesus, that's your great, 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 grandpa right there. That's him. David and all those people, you're related to them because you're in the family of God now. And family members act like the family. Right? So, uh, now then, who's going to follow my example and give offerings to the Lord? The people rejoiced over the offerings, for they had given freely and wholeheartedly. And then David, after this happened, David begins to pray, and he begins to declare a worship moment for the whole congregation that was said there. First Chronicles 29, 12, and 14 says, Wealth and honor come from you alone. You rule over everything. Power and might are in your hand. And at your discretion, people are made great and given strength. 
Verse 14, but who am I? And who are my people? Who's promised land, right? Who, who are we that we could give anything to you? Everything we have has come from you. We give you only what you first gave us. This prayer right here is the epitome of someone that's in the family and is, as I said earlier, truly converted into the faith and adopted into the family. This is the posture of someone who understands. You have to come to this realization that God is the provider and that you are the steward. When it comes time to give an offering, we're not the owner of that money. We've just been giving stewardship over that money. And we're just giving back to him what he has first given to us. When you're saved, you understand that you have that job, those resources, you inherited money, you got that settlement, whatever it was. Not because of your degree that you earned or your hard work that you gave, but because God gave you the talent to do it. Gave you the open doors. Put people in your path in order for you to have what you have. Until you get to that moment, you're still the king of yourself. You're still the Lord of yourself if you believe that all that you have is your possession. But when you're in the family of God and you're serving the Lord and you look to him as your father and your king and your Lord and all those amazing titles, they don't just have thin words attached to them but they actually carry weight that he is the one that's giving to you he is the one that's providing for you he's the one that's got your future worked out so you can give sacrificially and know that I can never outgive God if I give to him x amount he's going to give me much more than that back but who am I that and my people that we could give you anything so just that idea like I'm not giving you something that's mine I'm I'm just returning back to you what is yours to begin with and Jesus himself explained how David could give so extravagantly and if you take the gold and silver that was collected um, in in that day on this offering right here to give to the temple is well over a billion dollars in today's money that King David and all the people began, because the, the amounts are in the scriptures. You can read them and convert. And uh, the, from shekels to pounds to tons, take the tons, compare it to the gold, price of gold today, and you get over a billion dollars that they gave to do God's work. This is extravagant giving because when you know that God is going to take care of you, it's not a big deal. Luke 6 and 8, this is the words of Jesus. Give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full pressed down and shaken together to make room for more running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. And uh, he doesn't say if you have a cup this big, uh, that it's going to overflow, but if you have a bigger cup, it's not going to overflow. It says your cup's going to overflow. So the capacity of the overflow is up to you. What is the, what is the amount? What is the size 
that you're going to put into the hands of the Lord. I want to go back in time just a little bit as we close. Man, you guys can come help me. Um, some of y'all have heard the story of Abraham when he was asked by God to take his son Isaac up on the hill and sacrifice him to God up on top of Mount Moriah. That mountain, Mount Moriah, where God asked Abraham to do that, which if you haven't heard the story, he goes up there with his son and then God says, no, I see that you're willing to do this and I don't want you to do this. Uh, But I just wanted to see if you were willing and you worshiped me in that regard. That hill, that mountain, Mount Moriah, is the place where Solomon built the temple. And that temple was built by Solomon and his people, and then it was destroyed by the Babylonians. And then the Israelites began to rebuild the temple again. And King Herod, who has a bad rap in the Bible for many reasons, one of the things that he did positive was he helped finish build the temple again in Jerusalem. So when Jesus was here and sharing what I just read to you in Luke 6, 38, he was around the temple again that Herod had finished, and it was glorious, and it was beautiful. In 70 AD, the Romans came and destroyed that temple again. I want to show you a picture of what the original on the left side is what the original temple looked like with Solomon and Herod. That's a a model that they have in Jerusalem right now. I've been there and seen it. It's amazing. But it looks it looks just like it did then. That's what the temple looked like. Today on the right hand side is that same temple mount. That's Mount Moriah where Abraham, in fact you have, they have a little place there where they say this is where Abraham was with Isaac. But that gold dome that you see there is not an Israelite temple or tabernacle or place of worship. Instead, it's a Muslim, it's a Muslim place of worship now. The Muslims have <clears throat> uh, their place of worship on top of that mountain. And it seems like a confusing thing. How could that be? That is what we understand as a completely different religion that does not recognize Jesus, um, though their roots go back to Abraham as well. Uh, they obviously don't recognize Jesus, and there's many parts of the Muslim faith that we don't agree with. I'm not getting into all that today, but it's confusing, though. Now, like, why is that there? Why does God allow that? Well, the reason that it's not as big of a deal at this point is because God doesn't dwell in temples built of, of stone and gold and steel and iron like he did in the days of King David and Solomon. When Jesus came and he died on the cross, the Bible says that the curtain that separated the Holy of Holies with the rest of the world was ripped in half when he died on the cross. And it opened up and the presence of the Lord, the Holy Spirit of the Lord, then flooded out beyond that place called the Holy of Holies. And now was exposed and available to anyone and everyone who called on the name of the Lord. Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord now can have the presence of God come into their temple. The temple of our body. And that's why we're here. 
That's why we have a building. That's why we have a place to gather and worship. Because from the very beginning of time, when Adam and Eve gathered together with God in the garden, that was the first worship service that happened. Just the three of them there in the garden. And from that moment all the way till now, people have gathered together in the presence of the Lord and worshiped Him and gave to Him and honored God. And so the reason that we're here today and the reason that we need more space, I'm thankful that you're here at 8.30. But most people don't want to come here at 8.30, okay? There's seats here at 8.30. But the next two services are going to be full. We need more space so more people, so more, so more temples can gather together. And the presence of the Lord can be in the midst. And lives can be changed. And lives can be saved and set free from the brokenness of this evil world that we live in. So we're counting on you. Jesus is building his ecclesia on this rock. Erica, would you come and join me? <coughs> sometimes, excuse me, sometimes you feel like maybe your voice doesn't matter. Sometimes you may feel that your voice doesn't, um, is not enough. But I want you to know that you matter. Your voice matters. Your presence in this church matters. And your giving matters. And what happens is that we all participate, we all give at a level that we can. And God takes our efforts and our contributions and he brings them together to equal and be valuable to a level that's beyond just the sum of our parts. He, he takes the sum of our parts and then he supernaturally does something to it to make it do something incredible for his kingdom. We've seen this time after time after time. And so what I'm asking today is that we have 100% participation of people that call this your church, whether you've gone through the steps of becoming an official member or not. If you come to this place, and this is a place that you call home, I want to encourage you to jump in on this, on this rock campaign and and take one of those commitment cards today and put an amount on there and this is not you signing a blood covenant with us that we're going to come to your house and be like where's the money it's not going to happen if you fill this card out today and you lose your job in a couple months we understand that if you fill out this commitment card today and you win the lottery next month and you want to up that place, come on, you can do that, okay? So I just want, I, I want to take some of the mystery out of it. I want to take some of the pressure out of it. No one's giving here out of coercion. No one's giving here out of pressure. I'm just asking for those of you that call God if you call Jesus your Lord and Savior, I, I want to welcome you into giving freely and wholeheartedly. And um, I want to ask the staff and the elders to come and join me on the stage as well and to bring their commitments today. And uh, if there's anybody here in this particular service from our endowment committee or our building committee, I want to ask you to come and lay your pledges up on the stage as well. And um, 
First Chronicles 29:16, O Lord, our God, even this material that we've gathered to build a temple to honor your holy name comes from you. It belongs to you. I know, my God, that you examine our hearts and rejoice when you find integrity there. You know I have done all this with good motives, and I have watched your people offer their gifts willingly and joyously. The staff here, the, the leadership team, just the staff and elders are committing $175,000 out of our own pockets to put into this work and um, as of today, we have just under a million dollars in commitments already from the whole church. That's awesome. So that's amazing because we haven't even had this commitment service yet. Uh, that's incredible. But there's a long way to go. And so I want to encourage you. We're going we're gonna, to, I'm going to ask Pastor Emilio, who's, who's back from... Uh, Maybe, maybe he's back. Are you back? Come on, come up here. Pastor Emilio and uh, Nikki have been out for a couple of weeks because of their precious baby that was born, and we celebrate that. And um, I want you to pray for us, and then we're going to worship. We're going to sing. And um, as we sing this song, I'm going to invite... Everybody here that has a card, and even if you gave a commitment via digital website, I want to I want to encourage you to write just write on that card. Just you don't have to fill it all out. Just write your name and just say online. I think it's important that we all come to the front today. If you're making that commitment, that you come today and you lay just lay your card face down on the front here, and. Uh, We're not going to read them out to people. Erica wants to make sure you know that. Um, We're going to collect them and secretly put them in a very confidential spot. But I think it's really a beautiful thing to see people walk forward and do something physically. So I want to invite you to do that. And um, we're going to be doing this in an act of worship. We're going to be singing this song. And so you have the time to fill it out and to bring it up when you're ready. But Pastor Emilio, would you pray for us? And just, let's just believe that God's will be done today. Yeah, Father, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you for this time right now, God. We just, we come with our hearts lifted, our our arms lifted, God, and and we just put you first. We put you first, God, and, and we make a commitment to what you're doing in our city. Yes. Yes. God, and families, Yes. I just get such an overwhelming sense that mm. there's so many people that need your love. Yes, yes. God, and this is not a boastful thing, but the reality is that there are so many people that, that, that won't find it without somebody, a part of this church. Yeah inviting them here yes without a worship service that needs to happen without a prayer meeting that needs to happen without small groups that need to happen and so god we just come alongside what you have already planned and established for this city and for this area what you've already destined for promised land san marcos 
God, this is not about any name or any particular place, but what you have already set in motion. So I thank you right now. And as we write these commitment cards and we commit to following you into this next season, we do it with, with salvation on our mind. Yes. For those people that have been prayed for for years and years, for restoration, for all the marriages that are going to be restored and all the families that are going to be brought back together and all the miracles that are going to happen and all the healings that we will see and all the freedom that will take place and all the redemption that you have already spoken over the people of this area that you have called promised land to be a part of Hallelujah. that's what we're committing yes. to we're committing to the move of god for our city Hallelujah. the move of god for our family the move of god for these communities god and we will do it we will do it come hell or high water yeah. we're committed yes. to seeing your life and Hallelujah. your plan and your heart unfold for this area so church join me right now in praying and asking god what is our commitment what is my part and how can I be a part of it, God? We just surrender it all to you right now, God. And we commit to your heart for this house in Jesus' name. Yes, Lord. Yes, God. In Jesus', in Jesus name. name. Thank you for joining us today. Don't forget we want to connect with you. You can find us on Facebook and YouTube by searching Promised Land San Marcos, on Instagram at PSM Church, or on our website, psmchurch.com. Thanks again for listening to the Promised Land at Home podcast.